Vancouver Beer Mile Race Director. Definitely the thing I'm most proud about. <laughs> I feel like it's it's the feather in your cap. Like you, it, you it should be able is. to retire now yeah, and yeah. say I did everything I could possibly do. Yeah, and 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 as I was uh, saying to you before uh, we we started here too, um, as a as a as a business, it's uh, it's terrible. Like I, I make absolutely no money doing it, but the the glory in producing that event uh i mean that oh it's it's, it's priceless <laughs> it truly, truly is this episode of the smart athlete podcast is brought to you by solpre if you're active at all whether you're running or simply out walking for the day, you've probably experienced one of the number one problems that active people have, and that's chafing. Solpre's all-new, all-natural anti-chafe balm solves that problem while feeding your skin the vital nutrients it needs to be healthy. If you'd like to stop chafing once and for all and treat your body right, go to solpre.com to check out the anti-chafe balm today. And that's S-O-L. PRI.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today uh, normally should be coming from Canada, but today he's in Mexico because um, he's a cool guy who likes to move around. He's an endurance sports enthusiast. He's co-founder of runguides.com, which you may have seen or used if you're in the running community. He's also probably most importantly, the race director for the Vancouver Beer Mile. Welcome to the show, Corey Jennerman. Jesse, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm very excited to be here. Um, yeah, is I Vancouver Beer Mile Race Director definitely the thing I'm most proud about? <laughs> I feel like it's it's the feather in your cap. Like you, it, you it should be able is. to retire now yeah, and yeah. say I did everything I could possibly do. Yeah, and 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 as I was uh, saying to you before uh, we we started here too. Um, as a, as a, as a business, it's, uh, it's terrible. Like I, I make absolutely no money doing it, but the, the glory in producing that event, uh, I mean, that, oh, it's, it's, it's priceless. <laughs> it truly, truly is. I always wonder, you know, I know I've never done a beer mile myself. I'm not much of a drinker. Um, so I just, there hasn't been a whole lot of allure for it mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. I also feel like I almost definitely would throw up, um, if I attempted it. <laughs> But I know, I mean, I know it's a thing, obviously, like people compete at it, people set up races so that it can be yeah. done in a group yeah. and not just as a solo endeavor, like a weird, sad beard mile by yourself. <laughs> but it just, you know, I, it, for whatever reason, I've never been drawn to it. And I know guys I ran with in college, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, oh, this is my beer mile time. I'm like, number one, when did you do this? <laughs> and then why? It, it, it if you allow me a tangent a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I please. always kind of wonder, because there is this like undercurrent or pinning somehow between like beer culture and running culture. Yeah. yeah, if, yeah, I, yeah. if I ran in my other room, like I did, I did our, an off-road race um, several months ago called uh, Beer and Bagel. Yep. And so they're like, they started in Nebraska and they've kind of expanded across the Midwest. This was the first year in our area. And their shirts every year say, I'm a drinker with a running problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's, it's so calm. Just, can you, maybe you've got more insight as the race director. Where, where does this, does, where's the history come from? Do you have any idea or do you just like absorb yourself in it? I, I, I yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And um, I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I, I, I have my theories into why Beer Mile is, uh, is such a thing for sure. And because there is, there is an, uh, as you said, an undercurrent of beer mile and an odd undercurrent in, in like high performing track athletes too. Mm-hmm. Cause I will sort of meet people who are at the top level of track and we'll kind of mention beer mile. And like, oh, they perk up. And like, oh yeah. Yeah. I did. I did the beer mile. And, and it's this, it's this real thing. And I think, um, so I guess first the, the, the beer culture and running, um, you're right. It totally does exist. I mean, it's, uh, you go, you, you, go to your race you have a brew a number of the run crews that i I run with in vancouver that's kind of you know we start and finish at different breweries all over town Mm -hmm. and um i've seen that in a number of run crews that we've come across through my like my main business the runguides.com which helps people find running races and clubs across north america 
it's super common it mm -hmm. really really is um but i don't know i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> now now for for beer mile in particular i think that there's that kind of undercurrent in in uh elite running athletics because it is really hard and mm -hmm. it is kind of stupid and anything you're doing when you're you know you're hammering out those track workouts or, or pushing yourself to the, the limit in a race mm -hmm. that's really hard and also kind of stupid in a way so mm -hmm. like let's you know they i think i think it's just the next step in challenging yourself and like type two fun um mm -hmm. and that's kind of where where why i think it's a bit popular i think that's a good theory you know because it's yeah I, I think it's in some ways it may be the same mentality it kind of uh, gave birth to like obstacle course racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, yeah, yeah it's like, or or go back a little bit further, um, the steeplechase. I've <laughs> never done the steeplechase. Know a few um, high-level steeple, steeplechasers. I'm a mm -hmm. big fan of the steeplechase. I love it, right? Like what, yeah. hammer out a bunch of laps and then we throw in this giant hurdle and you have to go over the water and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and everyone falls in it. I watch it, I watch it with... Uh, my wife for the Olympics um, this last summer. And she's like, why? I'm like, this was my event in college. She was like, why, why is there a water pit? Why is there? I'm like, you could ask that about anything. Why is the, why is there a track? Why, why are we throwing a, a ball? Like what, why anything, you know, it, it part of the challenge. The history is there with the horse race, but then you could say the same thing. Why did we have the horses do that? Right, right. Okay, so this, this, I'm, this is news to me. I didn't, I didn't know the distinguished history of the steeplechase. So it was a horse race. Yeah, so I then... think I could be wrong. Um, and if you're listening and know the correct thing, please correct me. <laughs> the way it is in my brain, and you know, this is where we need like, like with uh, Dak Shepard's podcast, arm, armchair expert, he has like yeah. fact checkers at the end. We need yes, fact checkers we need some fact checkers, yeah. Um, so, so somebody be my fact checker uh but the way it is in my brain is that it was the very first one i don't know if it was at stanford or something but um the very first like kind of modern style steeplechase was a was a bet between like some it was like a bar bet between mm -hmm. a runner and somebody who rode horses about mm -hmm. who could win mm -hmm. like who was going to be faster the horse or the runner i think the runner mm -hmm. won um because I mean, a horse could outrun you, but with the barriers and stuff, that slows the horses down. Right, so right. Now, there is more history to it in that I think, like, uh, old school steeplechase or, like, the more accurate historic origin is, like, um, churches in the countryside running from steeple to steeple. Right. It's a steeplechase, and then yes. there's obstacles in the countryside to cover. So I think it's kind of likely this is me extrapolating here i think it was likely like taking that you know countryside church to church kind of run name and idea applying it to the track environment with like the horse or whatever yeah there's got to be some connection in there i don't know but that that's kind of the history as i know it i guess i mean that sounds pretty good to me uh <laughs> so i i'll i'll take it and it is kind of i it's kind of funny how a lot of these running events probably originated as bar bets. I was um, recently learning about the lost sport of long distance walking that used to happen mm. in old England. Mm -hmm. And it, this is kind of the um, origin of, well, I shouldn't say origin, but uh, this original guy named something like john barkley or something back in and again i'm gonna get a few of these dates we, we need the fact trackers to right. get the dates correct but you know it's like 17 something and he makes a bar bet um he he's known for going for really long walks he makes a bar bet with a um uh, another person and then he says i can walk one mile an hour for a thousand consecutive hours and I will make a bet of whatever it is, 500 guineas, which, you know, in today's money is half a million dollars or, or something really substantial yeah. like that. And someone takes it up on, or takes them up on it. And you can read about this online. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's fascinating. 
And he, he goes out and he starts to do one mile an hour every hour. And so, you know, he'll kind of first do, he's doing it 20 minutes, then he rests for a while and he just keeps going and keeps going. Um, and he, he fuels off of, um, I think it's mutton and wine mostly, uh, because that's what you would fuel off of in the, the 1700s or uh-huh. whenever they're, they're doing this. And, uh, you know, his legs get all swelly and he gets these really rough shape and it's raining and they bring out this big chair that they kind of sit him on. And I can't remember if he's going from in a straight line or if he's kind of just looping around this one mile loop. And as he approaches the end and it becomes apparent that he's probably going to finish this thing all the people that bet against him start trying to sabotage him. So he has to hire bodyguards to then guard him against, <laughs> against the people that are trying to make him fail. And, yeah. uh, and he ends up, he ends up doing it. And then um, I can't remember what happens after. There's a huge controversy, I think around the bet and he probably dies penniless, but uh, it's like the origin <laughs> of, of strange long distances, but yeah, there we go. It's um, perhaps beer mile was, was a, uh, originated on a, on a, on a bar bet as, as well. I mean, given the content, beer and running, it wouldn't surprise me in the least that it, you know, it was a, probably a bar bet at some point and then became standardized after like enough people took it up and like, no, no, we need some rule. Cause that's, that's, that's the next level of any good bar bet, right? It's like, here are the official criteria for exactly. this particular situation. It's not whatever goes, it's no, this is it. <laughs> because some, you know, because you have the, it's the, here's the initial bar bet. Oh, I bet you can't drink a beer and run a mile. And they're going, yeah. oh no, well that was too easy. Like, yeah, no, no, you have to drink a beer for every lap and they're like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> And it's got to be 355 milliliters, which I believe is, is, is 12, 12 ounces. I, I right. work mainly in milliliters. Right, and, yeah, it can't be, and, can't and, be yeah. like a shot glass of a beer. It's no, be. no, you can't open it in advance. No shotgunning, no wide mouths, no straw pedoing. Uh, it needs to be a minimum of 5% ABV. Yeah. Uh, a lot of very specific criteria. And, <laughs> and it gets kind of crazy too at the elite level. So to give you some perspective on how I initially was introduced to, to beer mile was mm-hmm. my friend Andrew Hall uh, called me up one day and he said, mm-hmm. Hey, Corey, I am trying to qualify for the world championship in the elite division of beer mile. And this happens in Austin, Texas. Um, we're in Vancouver at the time. And I'm like, what is beer mile? Uh, it sounds kind of cool. And what there's like a world championships in Austin. I think this was back in 2015, maybe 2016. So sometime around then. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, well, how do you do it? He goes, well, in order to, to qualify for elite division, men's elite division, you have to run a 535 beer mile. Mm-hmm. Um, and he explains to me how it works. And, and just in case any of your listeners don't know how it works, it's you, you have your four beers with all that criteria that I just sort of spelled out sitting at the track and you're, and you're on a standard track. You chug a beer, run a lap, chug a beer, run a lap, chug a beer, run a lap, chug a beer, run a lap. And then if at any point you puke, you do have to run one final lap at the end. You don't have to drink any extra beers because, I mean, you know, if there's some humanity, I guess, in the in the beer <laughs> beer mile guards and the, the gods, and they decided to, to be merciful in that rule. Um, and and but that last lap's going to kill your time, right? Yeah. Um, and and he said, okay, so I have to run this 5:35 beer mile now because I'm trying to qualify for men's elite. It has to be very official. We have to have all this criteria about the beers. We have to have two cameras going. One camera is filming um, the timer. The other camera is just following me all around the track and then it's zooming in. And then I slam this beer and I hand it off to someone. They take it with the second camera and they, they follow that beer and they pour it out into a measuring glass. And at the end, the sum total of all of the leftover beer, including foam, cannot be more than four ounces um, and if it is you're disqualified uh, and so yeah like really really tight criteria mm-hmm. uh, for these things and he, he went out and uh, I think he was like three seconds off and so he ended up getting to run in sub elite which was pretty awesome down in Austin he didn't didn't mm-hmm. get to the, the top top but it's super official it's it's crazy mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to remember what the like what the usual convert like not I'll say usual but like yeah average conversion is because it's like for the listener 535 may seem like okay like it's quick but it's not that quick and you're like no it's, quick. it's actually very quick because yeah. you're drinking beers and running I'm trying to remember guys that run 535 beer mile I think run end up running like mid to low fours typically if they're just doing open miles if I remember I, right I think so I if you're really yeah it's a, it's a great be a great formula to, to put out there like your beer mile back to your regular mile time but right they're pretty quick they're doing their beers usually in i think about five to seven seconds of beer mm -hmm. uh, possibly even quicker right. um and then they are running not too far off their pace so yeah so if we go let's say we go four beers by five seconds or about 20 seconds of total chug time so now you're down to 515 and then you're gonna have to add a little a little bit time but you're right it's it's they're probably yeah they're probably mid to high fours or just just below five and then they just have a hero day um like i i am i, I just I, can't imagine running with all that liquid like foamy liquid on my stuff like like hard, i could man. like i could run not right now like my my fastest mile times around like the 430 mark yeah but even in that shape like i just can't imagine like i'm like no i think 530 with with all that liquid all like i just don't know because i mean the faster you run i feel like the more likely it is you're going to throw up yeah there's a whole technique uh behind it as well and and there's there's actually like people laugh when i tell them this but there's a training regime i did a a whole video about it for for the vancouver beer mile that i do and it's it's kind of like a big joke right it's, mm -hmm. it's me with some funny in a weird costume doing what's called the kitchen water mile and so what you do is you have an empty beer bottle and you just fill it up with water and you, you start a stopwatch you slam the water and then you kind of like do jumping jacks or kind of you know just run in place mm. for the length of time that you think it would take you to run a lap and then you uh, you fill it up while you're doing that as well, slam it again, and and you just do those. And man, the kitchen water mile for some reason I think is even tougher because you can't really get any burps in. Mm. Um, so that's one way you train. Another way that you train, and this was a, a technique that I learned from watching YouTube videos of uh, Lewis Kent, who is one of the, the top beer milers in the world, is you'd get that same water or a beer empty beer bottle by your sink and just like three four times a day you just walk by and you just slam it and you you keep getting used to that chugging mm. chugging chugging um if you do that you can uh and then you know get get really fast to your mile and if you right. do those things you'll 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 be able to at least contain the volume a bit because it is totally a, vo a volume game yeah um, there's some stuff you do with the chug too like if you take that bottle and just slam it straight back, it's going to glug, glug, and you're going to get all that foam. And that foam is, you're done. Like third lap, yeah. uh, if you have too much foam, yeah, you're, um, that, that's coming up. Uh, but so you do this kind of, this, this little, you just open, you tilt your head back, you open your mouth as wide as you can. You slowly tilt the beer back and then you just start um, drinking as, as quickly. Like the pros, again, the pros, they have this technique. They fire it up, they do a little tornado and they just boop, 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 and then it's gone. If you watch any of the, any of the videos they do. Um, we had, I had a guy, we, I, so the last, usually every May I, I, I do Vancouver beer mile in Vancouver. It's this renegade event. We get it like, I mean, it started with, you were saying, alluding to like a sad, lonely beer mile. It started as a sad, lonely beer mile. So I, yeah. I, I did this beer mile with Andrew, when he went to try to, do we got, well, you got another person. I, I think it's less sad. You got another, I'm just talking about like one, one person out there drinking beers <laughs> and running by themselves. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it almost was. So it was him doing his and then me trying it for the first time and, and going, wow, that was pretty, pretty fun and, and weird. Um, and, and so then we, you know, we said, okay, we're going to do Vancouver beer mile. This is what we're going to do. And yeah, the first Vancouver beer mile was four people. The second one was, uh, was two of us. It was actually me. And then a couple no shows, and then one of my friends took pity on me and, and sort of sympathy did it. And then and then kind of like we had twenty people, then forty, and then now it was kind of a hundred. And and that's I mean that's where I've capped it at. This is a community uh, fun time event. Everyone's in costume. Yeah, we get it like chip timed. Um, it's all 
underground and we have to do it at a, a unnamed track that I released the day of and mm -hmm. and then it happens and it's done and there's a bunch of weird prizes and stuff but uh yeah it's 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 quite the the strange production <laughs> I, I had a point weird. I had a point to that and I, I totally forgot the uh the point while I while I started rambling about it there but hey that's welcome to my world I I yeah. often am on this show talking I'm like I had a point I don't know what it was anymore and away we go yeah so no no if you think of that we can come back to it just feel yeah, free to um sure you know interrupt me at any point um so I obviously want to ask you about run guides I, I have yeah, a lot of questions sure. yeah 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 um I mean obviously very helpful you know so one of the biggest challenges in being a runner is mm. how do you find runs right yeah yeah like how do you find a race because yeah i mean so like you have to have these different race aggregators like like you guys and even i find they're often not even all like complete so mm -hmm. my first question is just like how do you aggregate yeah all of the all of the races how do you how do you find them all for sure for sure so uh, the initially what what we do with run guides and, and i mean how how i started it uh initially was i i had a, I had a, a background in in online marketing i was this is 2007 to 2012 i was working for a company that helped people find we had a directory that helped people find nightclubs in cities across north america so i'm mm -hmm. somewhat familiar with the the directory space and okay I like i liked running uh, I, you know, I, I ran a fair bit and was running with a buddy and he was, at, he was asking me about what, what the next race or next 10 K in Vancouver was. Mm -hmm. And I did a little bit of Google searching that night after I said, Oh, well, didn't you Google it? And he went, ah, I was, I had some tough time. And, and I started ran into that same thing. I went, Oh, some of the directories here are only listing races that they do the registration processing for, mm. or whatever and i thought uh oh, let's build something so we the way that run guides um is growing and has grown because it, it's got quite a lot of coverage across north america but there you know there's still some some holes there is we pick a region that we want to create a calendar for and yeah initially we're just doing a bunch of google searching and finding the you know four or five other sources that are listing upcoming races and this mm -hmm. can be other directories it could be um a lot of communities uh have a community directory mm -hmm. of of what's happening in, in that region and then we are manually um adding that onto our site and so it's a whole process and we also while we do that we audit it to make sure okay are these actual runs that mm -hmm. runners like run guides is specific to running events um and so if it's kind of like a um uh, if it's a triathlon or something, for example, um, even though I know there's a huge crossover there and one of these right. days will spin off, spin off a triathlon site, we, we just, we were like, this is just runs only. Yeah. Um, and, and it wouldn't be like a, um, maybe it's a, a weekly kind of, uh, walking tour thing. Like that wouldn't be quite the right fit right. for what our users are looking for. So we manually add all that stuff in there and, uh, and then it kind of just sits right. Um, eventually as our site starts to rank for those regional keyword terms, um, we find that's when people start to contact us and they say, hey, you're missing this. Uh, hey, this might need to be edited. Like, cool. And we have a whole content management system built into the back end of the site mm -hmm. that allows um, our team of contractors to go in and take a look at any edits uh, that are being submitted just by the public and make adjustments where we need to. The second thing we do is again, like we have this content management system that allows us to review any races that don't have a confirmed date. So, you know, as you know, if runs are, yeah, I mean, the recurring yearly events that don't change that much year to year. Right. So once you have a calendar listed, if you've got maybe 70, 80% of the races in a region, 90% of the races in a region, that content's not going to change too much year to year. And we have all these automated flags and processes built into the back end of the site that allow us to say, okay, every two or three weeks, um, each, each person on our team is assigned to a number of different regions, like at a, at a state level, every mm -hmm. two or three weeks go through and any races in the next X amount of time, maybe three months, six months that do not have a confirmed date, add them to this audit queue that they have. 
Um, and if the race is say a uh, thousand people or more uh, or 5,000 people or more, just add it in there. We we're because we know those ones are going to probably announce their date um, eight, 12 months, you know, but probably a year right. in advance. Right. right. Um, and, and then we kind of, again, it's this manual process that, uh, that we do to ensure that the content is, is actually up to date. So mm -hmm. manual process to initially get it. Um, and then a manual process to maintain it. Now we have invested uh, a lot of time in, in development into the back end of our site to allow us to do that uh, without spending hundreds and hundreds of, of human right. hours to do it, right? right? Um, it, we, can, we can do this fairly efficiently and manage a large number of races. But it's a very interesting um, issue for, or, I mean, because at the, at the core of a directory, like you have to have helpful content for people. Right. And, and that's like our number one priority is we want, we want to help you find runs. We want to have a full calendar and we want the calendar to be up to date. And right, so accurate. That, yeah, yeah, there's accurate. Yes, thank you. Um, there, there's a whole process and system and everything that we've built um, on the back end of the site to allow us to do that. That's what I was just thinking about. I was like, I, I, you know, my even though I don't know how to do it, my brain automatically goes, okay, how do we get like some kind of like, um, you know, program written that'll like fetch things with an API and like mm -hmm. just start stacking it all in but then yeah. you, you probably know better than i do um that that would likely end up with like all kinds of erroneous data that you still have to go yes. in and manually go okay that's yes. not real and that doesn't <laughs> so it, it, like it, how, exactly. you know, how are you solving the problem especially when you know it doesn't happen often it may feel like it happens often to you since you guys probably aggregate thousands of races but Sometimes race dates change or what for, for whatever yes. reason, a venue's booked or yeah. something happened. And then that's an adjustment you guys probably have to make too. And then yeah. if, if it's changed and you don't know, then again, information's not accurate. And people go, ah, Corey, why did you tell me? <laughs> they do. It they got this it. Day it's not. <laughs> the, um, yeah, no, for sure. And, and with that say, again, I mean, we, you know, we have a calendar of, of events in, in a region, you move the map around, see what's kind of going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, we then you click on an event, it gives you a, uh, an executive summary of what it is, some main data points, date, distance, approximate event size, rotor trail, you know, is it does it have a kids race, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, a very small, uh, maybe a video, um, a few lines about generally what the race is about. Mm -hmm. And then we send you to the official race website, because of course, they're going to have the most up to date information. Um, they're going to have all the info about the swag and everything like that. And, yeah. and so that is, um, that is where like, if we, let's just say, yeah, you have a date or a race that's on, uh, April 14th and, and then three weeks out, they have to shift the day by, um, the date by one day. And now it's on the 15th. Um, so yeah, someone comes to us, sees April 14th, clicks through, goes to the official race website, sees a difference. Um, we've been very lucky in that most of the users that come to our site, uh, I end up messaging us and just saying, Hey, you've got this wrong. And we go, oh, okay, no problem. Done. Fixed. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and on our end to keeping the information that we present about a race to an executive summary level, that also allows us to have really relevant information, uh, without inaccurate stuff. Like we, we often race directors will often ask us to put in info about swag, start times, things like that. Mm. And we say, look, it's we, we would love to but that is going to increase the probability that we're going to have incorrect information because you might change that we want to send people to your site we want to give them just you know when someone comes to our site they're um what we see in our in our data when we look at analytics is they're they're looking sort of three months six months out mm -hmm. they're looking for general distances and they're looking for geographic regions and then they're kind of they're shopping around a bit they they go hey what are the uh, what are the 10Ks? What are the 5Ks? What are the half marathons? You know, happening in this time period in my area. And now I'm going to click on them, and I'm you know we send them to the official race website so they can get the information. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of some of the the inside stuff on yeah how, how we're managing all this content because it, it is it's I think we're seven or eight thousand races on there right now, um, and it, it's going to continue to um, to increase. Uh, I. I tend not to see 
the number of races like for me if i was to say oh it's you know we'll be at thirty thousand. that's not my measuring stick my measuring stick is um do we have the the right races on there are people mm-hmm. that are coming to our site feeling like they were able to find runs rather than just pure numbers because again sometimes there's some stuff uh say if we were taking in data from api feeds that isn't quite relevant mm-hmm. to to what um a runner is looking for when they're looking for a run yeah it's in some ways it's kind of um i'll say refreshing i don't know if that's quite the right word but just that there is still almost like an you know an old school approach to it right which is to me almost feels like running in itself like there's obviously there's (laughs) there's like you know there's everybody's using gps watches and they get on they log all their workouts on strava and there's all this you know tech stuff that people get obsessed with but i i feel like often not always um like the more involved people get with running the more like ah just use pencil and paper like just the the less involved they get with how technical everything has to be sometimes they still love the data um i'm thinking in particular of um a gentleman who wrote some content for me he's been on the podcast uh marco nickley big uh, he's a coach big data junkie he he loves all the data um but at the same time like the the data doesn't rule what he he does yeah um so just i don't know there's something about number one how just like bare bones the sport is you need some shoes Mm -hmm. you you probably need clothes unless it's a nudist run for some reason um (laughs) those do exist uh i know i know so that's what i was gonna say you need clothes but i was like well um there was what is it the bear bear buns fun run was one of them there are a couple on our site and i just thought they were great i think we recommended them in our emails once (laughs) (laughs) so if you're in this area go check it out yeah so it's like like, right on so pretty much you need and you don't even me saying you need shoes is is you know not controversial but not even technically accurate um it's like another guest steven Sashin, he's owner of zero shoes which they're shoes but they're minimal shoes and people wear you know just go barefoot so it's like i guess you could show up to a nudist run and just be have no clothes on and no shoes um which makes it even more bare bones but just the sport is so <laughs> non-technical yeah by nature that there's something not almost i don't know if it's synergistic but just like thematically appropriate for it not to be just just you sitting by the computer with a bunch of software, like aggregated, yeah, yeah. That, you know, that there's actually people um, yeah, we, looking things, things up. We have, we have, yeah, we have real humans that, uh, that do, that do look at uh, every piece of, of event content on the site. I like it. I like uh, how you frame this. And this is, this is how I'm going to look at it now. We're run guides. We are thematically appropriate in the way that we manage content. There you uh, go. It, uh, it's, it's a very interesting, relevant point. I think that you made about, about data and, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of run, run data as well. Like I, yeah, I strive everything. And um, I, especially when I'm looking back on very successful training builds that I had, like, so mm-hmm. for example, in 2022, 2017, I had some amazing races personally and, and hit some of my kind of lifetime goals. And then I'm doing a couple of the same events in 2022 and so yeah for me it's great to go back over the data and go okay what like where was i at what was going on mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean and, it, and it, i'm sure at the yeah at the elite level it's like that's among uh, a few other things but that's that's pretty much probably what's giving you some of the edge right your, mm-hmm. your data and your nutrition and your genetics and then but uh, but on the on the flip side i do see it a lot where people get to and even um people who are new to running just get way too in their head about about data you know they'll mm-hmm. be out going it's like oh well my my heart rate is at this and i should be at this and my pace is at that and it, i should be here and and it's like hey i mean how are you feeling like mm-hmm. just how are you feeling right now are you feeling good um you know my my training schedule says i should do this today but i'm not feeling that great it's like well you know adjust like you can I think that there is a that component of running that is beyond the data. That's just that that mental component, and that almost I want to call it like the heart, uh, where 
you sometimes I think it's beneficial just to ignore it. Uh, and uh, you know, if you're, if you're racing really, really hard, you've got it, your data is probably going to say, eh, you, you should probably scale back at some point in the race. But if you're going like for maybe like a big PR or something, maybe you got to take a risk or, uh, at the same token, if you're feeling really good, but your, your data is saying, oh, this is like a little bit higher than it should be. Eh, just kind of like see what yeah. happens. You'll surprise yourself. Um, don't ignore the data. Just don't rely on it. And yeah, you don't need all that technical stuff. Like if you're getting into running too, right? You know, get, just get a pair of shoes that are comfortable and like start going for runs. Don't worry about the GPS watch that programs your blender as well. Like, just, just kind of like, just get out there and yeah. There's, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, um, running based on RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. Yes. If you're not yes. familiar with that. Yes. So, um, I don't know, you know, I, so I do another show just on running. It's just me in front of the camera talking about running various topics. Mm -hmm. I feel like I spent entire season two so I, I break them up into years for seasons i feel like i spent almost that entire year just like let me tell you about rpe like this is yeah this is worth it. i haven't really talked about it much lately but just it's so important like i made adjustments we did a time trial um to kind of get a benchmark time for me on wednesday morning didn't have any problems but then i like kind of felt like i tweaked something later on in the day kind of feeling it We're working on it i had a run this morning and i was like mm, like I'm this is supposed to be the end, end of my week two and then rest week next week. Yeah. And I was just like, mm, I think I'm going to cut it in half. And I maybe even should have taken the day off. I'm not sure. We'll see how things shake out. But just, I, I know that based on like, I'm not married to, well, coach said it has to be this. So it has to be, this. you yeah. know, it's like, no, there's obviously some little like issue that needs to be addressed. And if you push too much further, like at least, if I push too much further, then it can become more of a problem. And if I'm only focused on like, these are my numbers and like, mm -hmm. I even felt good for the time trial. It wasn't like, oh, I, was, I felt dog tired, none of that. But just paying attention to the feelings I have of mm, something's off. I, you know, yeah. I, you know, I don't think I'm adjusting my stride, but I obviously, I feel something when I'm running and uh, I, I know it needs to be strengthened or whatever. So that, that's why like paying attention to how you feel I think is so important because even in not in my case you know we're like uh, maybe you mm -hmm. strained something or pulled something maybe the case of just like you didn't eat enough or you're stressed somewhere else totally. or whatever yeah. and you're just not feeling it that day it's just taking a breath and going like it's okay to probably take it a little easier today because you know you got you got a new baby and you're not sleeping or, you know, you, you went through a divorce or you just got married and you're on a honeymoon or, or what, whatever it is, those life events that affect you, like your body will tell you if you pay attention, it, it's not a skill that we, I think we all have innately, so to speak. Um, I think some people come by it easier mm -hmm. where it's like, it's easier to feel, oh, no, I am tired. Like, I'm just going to, mm -hmm. I think some people, it takes a lot more practice to kind of strengthen that internal feeling muscle. Um, but I have faith that most people can do it if you spend time. And sometimes that data helps inform you like. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, like and again, it's, I'm not saying a bad, a bad enough data. It's great. Right. And I think it, the other thing. It I am. Is, I'm saying get rid of yeah, the, This is all data. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, I mean, I think the other thing it can do as, as well, and, and, and personally, this is something that I've experienced is you can start to create limiting beliefs for yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, the example that I would have would be um, for, and it's still something that I, I, I battle with is, so uh, for me as a, as a recreational runner, if I'm running um, sub four minute kilometers and I'm, I'm I don't know what the conversion is to miles uh I think that's like a 550 mile but I'm gonna I can tell you in a second yeah let's let's find out no 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 uh 6.4.4 times four times I can type right 
six yeah, six twenty four six twenty four miles. Is that six twenty four miles? Wow. So if it's, it's four times one point six because it's kilometer to mile. So then you get six point four point four times sixty seconds is twenty four seconds. So. Okay. 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 Yeah. So yeah. So for me, like this four four minute uh, four minute kilometer. If I'm if I'm running faster than that, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, sub forty minute ten k. Um, I'm like, all right, all right, this is good. But then at the at the the flip side, what starts to happen is I start to think, oh yeah, if you if you do this for too long, it's it's going to be too fast and mm -hmm. you're going to blow up. And so you start to equate in 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 my own head, I start to equate sub four minute kilometer with eventually this is too fast and you're going to blow up. Mm -hmm. And and it took me a while um, uh, to get past that and kind of go, wait, you have to, you have to remove this data point from your mind mm -hmm. because you are uh, potentially uh, missing out on your potential. Like what, I mean, yeah, just don't even worry about that. Yeah. If you feel bad, you're going to feel bad, but maybe you can run a 345 for a lot longer than you think. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can go for 340. Um, and yeah, I think you can start to create these limiting beliefs if you think, oh, this is the benchmark. And if I exceed this benchmark for too long, I'm going to blow up. You know, on, on the right day, you will yeah. like, you can't, right. you can't, you can't just manifest a bunch of speed. I can't, I can't. It just, <laughs> can't just will it to be. I know, can't will um, it to existence. I can, I can will a few seconds to, uh, per kilometer into right. existence. But yeah, right. yeah. But jumping like down to three minutes or something. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the difference in there. You know, I think a good, um, I'll prescribe a particular method or practice for you. I don't know how often you do like speed work, go to the track and do intervals and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my, like, this is how I do every speed work set. It doesn't matter if we're doing tempo, if we're doing miles, if we're doing 200s, 400s, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, this is always my goal. And, and the reason is partly, um, partly just physiologically it's, it, it, it works out better for you in the long run this way but mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. mentally it starts to break those dips like chip away at those barriers yeah is focus on a progressive negative split set yeah so if you're like a thousand meter thousand meter repeats was like my favorite workout in college so for running you know five of them say i'm start the, the first one at 320 then the second one, maybe I, I just try to just nudge it a little bit. I go 319, 318, yeah. and I go 317, then I go 360. And so, so I went 320 down to maybe 315 for the day, yeah. five seconds faster. It's not, you know, which adds up over time, but within one, that's that one set. It's like, I only took off a second at a time. And there, there's usually a point where you go, you know, maybe in that, in that example, say I hit like 317 and I try to, I try to nudge a little bit on the next one. And then I end up having to like nudge, nudge back, like pull back yeah. on the, you know, the lever <laughs> a little bit during that interval. I still end up at 317. Then I go, okay, like that's the limit today. Yeah. And, and by doing that, you're not, you kind of avoid that big, like that monkey on your back of like, oh, four minutes. It's just like, no, like I'm just, it's just a second. It's yeah. just a second. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not doing anything too dangerous. Like I can, I can deal with a second, but then you do that. And then all of a sudden say, again, we'll go to my example. I started at three twenties. Now we're at three fifteen by the end of the run. Then maybe next time you do that in a couple of weeks, well, maybe you're going to start at three seventeen today. And then we're going to go three sixteen. and then we're going to go three fifteen, and then 14 yeah. and 13. It's only a couple seconds, but it, it just, it, it snowballs over time. And then you, you not only like kind of get rid of that mental barrier of like, especially those hard times, right? Like four minute mile, five minute mile, the four minute, yeah. whatever it is. Those are yeah. those hard yeah, yeah, barriers yeah. sticking people's brains. So you get rid of that, but you also really get in tune with like your internal pacing and negative splitting. So that like, yeah, when you start a race, you start off quick, but comfortably quick. So you don't blow up and you've got plenty of legs left. Yeah. So that, that's what I would prescribe if you don't already do that. I love it. I love the, uh, it's funny. I do the uh, exact same thing in, uh, in speed work is mm -hmm. yeah. 
attempt to slowly go faster, a little bit, a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster throughout the entire um, uh, session of intervals. Mm -hmm. I um, I do <laughs> I do the opposite in the racing. I go for I go for put yourself in a position to win, and then and then try to hold on. Just try to just try to hold on, and it's it's actually again as a um, as a recreational runner, it's it's actually served me pretty well. Yeah. Um, but I have a few spectacular blowups as well. And, and it is that it's a very fine line. It's, a, yes. you know, I, I, it's put yourself in a position to win. Not too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> well, and, that, and that's, that's another thing too, is like, there is generally speaking, I'm a big fan of, let's say, let's negative split everything, obviously given my diatribe, I just gave, but like, there are some people that just you gotta coach them and say you just need to go out hard like you can't yeah, yeah. tell you can't coach them to go out easier and speed up it's like no, like there's just some people you're like no you gotta go out hard and just <laughs> hang on for dear life that that's what you like that's what's gonna work for you your mindset whatever um so i don't want to discount that either uh, it's not my particular bend in, that, in is, that is fine and, and i would you, much prefer like letting people go in the beginning of the race and then picking them off rather yeah, than getting yeah. picked off like that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure i and, and you know you're someone who is who has raced at a much higher level than i have and, and has more experience there too so uh that's i'm not saying that um what i've done is it's gospel no 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 it's, no i should do i you yeah. is absolutely valid and that's what i want to say is like it disregard you know i talk to people faster than me gosh yeah. you know i'm talking to uh, Louis Serafini, who's um, brand manager at Tracksmith. Uh, they're based out of uh, Massachusetts. It's yeah, near, yeah. Near Cambridge, I think Cambridge. Anyway, he's like a, you know, like mid to high 13 minute 5K guy. It's like, yeah. like Jesus, like how <laughs> I wish I could run that fast. But it's the strategies, the training methods, like all of that kind of remains the same the big difference is just like your genetic capabilities yeah you know so like how we approach things mentally all of that it translates all the way down it really does um and so i don't want you to be like oh well, discount i'm not as fast i do the same thing so i understand so maybe i'm lecturing myself but it's like <laughs> seriously it it's six of one half dozen of another yeah 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 for sure find out what works for you and then and then just fly at her yeah yeah absolutely um Corey, as we're starting to run down on time yeah um you you watched a couple episodes from this season so you may know the question already i ask a question of everybody for the same season all year uh, you'll be one of the last few here for this year in this question uh, but i'm asking everybody this year how do you stay motivated after failing to reach a goal? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I think that when you fail, like, acknowledge that failing to reach a goal uh, is pretty courageous, usually typically to start. Like, and I'm going to use a running metaphor because it's, what it's I'm where we are. Now. Yeah, it's where we are. But let's say you go out and you go for a new personal best that is the absolute limit of your ability. And it's something that you are not quite sure you can get, but it's also something that, you know, you're not sure you can't get, like this is right at the, at the razor's edge. So you've, you've put yourself in a position to acknowledge that you might fail at this. Uh, and, you know, you've had to, be kind of vulnerable to do that. Um, and I think acknowledging when you look back on it, acknowledging that and kind of drawing some sort of pride from, um, uh, from that whole process can be helpful. Also, I do find like, um, spite is a very good motivator. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, to, if for your own personal goals, it, I, I do, I have, I have this very like, um just kind of yeah man just that hippie like mm -hmm. you know 
let's look back in the positives and let's draw motivation from the ability to be vulnerable and the ability to uh, put yourself in an uncomfortable position, take pride in that whole thing and use that to like move yourself forward. Mm -hmm. That is, is a large part of, um, I think motivation after failure. A second part of it that I, I use as well is like create a chip on your shoulder and create an idea of like, all right, fail doing that. Let's try it again. Let's say, let's see what's up and let's show this is, I mean, this is almost like the, the Michael Jordan school of motivation, which is funny. Like mm -hmm. I can concoct a story that the world is like laughing at me because I didn't get this, yeah. but I'm going to show them that I can. And I'm going to come back and uh, use that almost like that weird dark energy to propel yourself forward. Mm -hmm. So there's two things in harmony. That is, that is, that is how uh, I at least personally have found um, that I drive motivation from, uh, from failed goals. Corey, um, I don't know if people can get in touch with you directly or not, but where, where can they find you? Find yeah, for your sure. stuff, obviously runguides.com, all, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. social media, where, where's all that located? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, uh, you can contact, uh, run guides through the runguides.com. Uh, we have a contact form there, uh, you know, shoot us a uh, message at info at runguides.com. They can connect with me directly, uh, through my email at Corey at runguides.com. And then yeah, find us on Instagram at runguides. There you go. That's how you find us. And it's how you, you can find me, get some more of those motivational philosophies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you guys are on Instagram, uh, you check out run guides there. And, um, I don't know if, uh, Corey's the one doing all the stick figures. Um, I am. That's me. Yeah. Yes, right on. Yeah. We got, got, I think we could talk about the stick figure aesthetic, but, but check that out if you're on Instagram, cause, um, yeah. you've definitely got some like it's kind of like high level jokes hidden in there somewhere as well. Thank, thank you. <laughs> We, we weren't sure what to make the run guides Instagram account because we're like a directory site. So like yeah. we put up there and I went, ah, I'm going to draw comics about running. Yeah. And we're going to put, we're going to put them on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So yeah, check that out. Um, Corey, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with me today. Jesse, thanks so much for, uh, for having me on. Uh, yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Uh, really enjoyed it.